Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the Umarpreneur Live podcast. And on this episode, I have a very special guest with me today, Brother Adim Yunus. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you, Brother? You okay? Alhamdulillah, I'm very good. Yourself? I'm so excited for this episode today. Alhamdulillah, jazakallah. You know, you, you're doing some amazing, amazing work and, and showcasing the the, the the entrepreneurs from the Ummah. I'm a, I'm a huge fan and I think you're doing a huge service uh, to what to what we do, the you know the small parts that that we all play, and you know lots of us play mm-hmm. uh, to kind of be a beacon to, to shine a light on that, and also to to help role model and to showcase the role model because we're we're all hiding, we're all in hiding, we're all kind of deep inside our work. I'm here. You asked me earlier. I'm in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, um, and you know you wouldn't find me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily even know that we exist. We're in a, a, a gorgeous old Victorian building. People yeah. who drive down the road or even walk down the road, they kind of get shocked at what's behind the door. When we've, we've had people in, they're like, my God, I didn't realize you were here, Deem. Oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so, alhamdulillah. 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 Definitely, man. And I, I completely agree with that. And I think that was the reason why I created this podcast in the first place, because I feel like there are so many that highlight non-Muslim entrepreneurs, you know, just entrepreneurs in general. And there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands. But uh, myself kind of growing up and then being interested in business and wanting to start my own business, I always found that I lacked role models within the Muslim entrepreneur space. And it's only when I started to really dig and look for these Muslim entrepreneurs that are creating amazing things and, you know, amazing, impactful businesses. And no one was really showcasing that. No one was really, you know, putting light on that and really sharing their story. So this is the point behind this podcast. And I want to let people know for guests who don't know your name, which might be very few and far between because mashallah, brother Adim, you've done so much um, for the Muslim entrepreneurial community and for Muslims in general and non-Muslims as well with your initiatives. And for people who don't know, guys, brother Adim, I'm sure you're going to know the companies that he's built if you don't know the man himself. He's an English Pakistani entrepreneur and he is the one, the man behind both singlemuslim.com, which is a Muslim matrimony platform, and also the international humanitarian charity Penny Appeal, mashallah, which you've also created more recently. And is there anything else that I'm missing here? Is there any other projects that are hidden that, I, that I'm not sharing that you might want to shed a light onto as well? There's, there's, there's a few more successes, but there's a, there's a, shed, load, a shed load more failures. But those are, I think you've, met, you've got the touch upon the two. two. Two mainstream, I guess, the, the mainstream ones in the right. that have been beneficial and that have been contributed to by a, a huge amount of people, you know, literally mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands, uh, if not millions of people, mil- millions of Muslims around the globe have, 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 have partaken yeah. take, in both of those two brands. MashaAllah. And they're, two, they're two, uh, two giants, two Goliaths, really. And before we even dive into a conversation where we start to talk about these businesses, about your experience as an entrepreneur, I want to talk about your failures, your lessons learned, your, the challenges you've been through. Uh, I want to get to know the, the younger Adim, the one that was you know, growing up and suddenly got inspired to become an entrepreneur and start his own business. Can you recall that moment when you first you know, mm-hmm. made that decision that you wanted to become an entrepreneur, you want to build your own business? I think you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, life's life's been so blessed, and you know, it's been so amazing. Uh, but it wasn't always like that, you know. It wasn't always like that. And I think my earliest memory, and I think the last two years, especially in lockdown, I've been able to distill a lot in terms of what's happened and why it's happened, and where the journey started from, and where mm-hmm. things kind of like take it took a turning, and so on and so forth. 
a, a huge part of the journey was when I was six years old. Up until that time, everything was pretty normal, pretty standard. Mom, dad, uh, siblings, you know, family, every, everything was, was pretty, pretty normal. And at the age of six, sadly, my father passed away. Um, and that now I know as a, as, as a, as a time that's fundamentally changed the, my whole outlook on life, my whole perspective on, on people, I guess, on how people saw me, how people saw my siblings, how people saw my family and the dynamics within the family as well. And it was, a, it, it was quite difficult. It was a very, very difficult time. It was a very challenging time in the whole, uh, whole of where we are um, as, as a family, as a family unit. And only, only, only now did I, have I realized what fundamental time that was. I remember when, the, when my father passed away, I was at school and I came home and there was, there was shoes in the, uh, outside in the garden. There was cars parked up on top of each other in terms of side by side. Uh, and there was just such wailing that you know I heard from the house, and I walked in, and my dad's coffin was in the in the small mid terraced house, and it was literally taking up half of the hallway. Uh, and I remember one of my aunties was like, she was just screaming the house down, and she looked at me, and she just she looked down, and she's like, "Oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen to you? What's going to happen to you?" And then she looked up, and she was like asking, "Ya Allah, Ya Allah, why did you do this? Why did you do this? What have you done? What have, what have you done here? What's going to happen to him?" And, and I looked, I looked at my auntie and I thought, what's going to happen? What's happened? What has happened here? What, what are you going to do to me? And you know, I think that was, a, that was a, the time where everything changed for me, everything in my life changed. Because after, after that time, I wasn't known as, you know, the Eunice's son. I was known as the Eunice's son who's passed away, the, the Yatim, the, the child without the father. And, you know, give him a fiver, give him 50 pence, give him a hand-me-down toy, give him a hand-me-down this, that, do the... And me as an individual, I didn't really, you know, I thought to myself, yeah, this is this is the this is the hand that God's, you know, given me. This is the hand that I've, I've been dealt with. But is that really me? Is that really my identity? Is that is that all I am? I remember at school, um, you know, there was children in primary school. There was children saying, you know, your dad's name is Johnson. Your dad's name is Smith. Your dad's name is Akram. And Adim's dad's name is deceased. And I'm like, no, my dad's name not deceased. And they're like, yeah, yeah, your dad's name's deceased. It says it on the register. And then the teacher came in. She's like, children, sit down, sit down. He's not, Adim's dad's name's not deceased. Adim's dad is deceased, which means Adim's dad is no longer around. And I thought, you know, as a child, you know, you can imagine, like, I'm thinking that's such a big weakness because in the community, it was seen as a weakness. It was seen as the poor child, the pachara, the, the one that hasn't got a future, the one that's not going to be able to do anything. And I think that's where I got my, my drive from. Uh, <clears throat> that was where I thought, you know what, I need to, I need to come, carve my own identity. But I didn't know how to do that. And I guess my role model throughout my life and even till today is my mum. So she, as a, as a young immigrant, as, as, a, as a young widow, as a woman, as a Muslim, as somebody of colour, you know, she, she learned how to drive, she, let, she took us to school, she never, ever, 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 ever let us go without anything. Um, she's, she's opened up a, a market stall, which then later changed to um, a, a high street shop on Brook Street in Wakefield. Um, and she was the center of the community for, 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 um, you know, for, for women in, in Wakefield, not just most women of faith, but women of no faith. And you know, she used to help and she used to help with you know, 
young women, women that had marital issues, women that were looking to get married and women that, you know, all sorts of backgrounds, black, white. And I guess that's where my kind of passion for life comes about my passion and my kind of drive to be able to do things. Cause I, I saw the fact that, and I realized at a very, very young age that my mum hasn't, isn't normal. My mum hasn't got the opportunities and people were like, you know, she, poor lady, she's not gonna do much. And then my mum became a role model in the community. Still to this day, people are like, you know, if Zubeda can do it, and if Zubeda's done this, and if Zubeda's done that, then we should be able to do that. And people come and, you know, they they take advice from my mum. She's a strong, strong lady. She's a real, she's a real powerhouse of a woman. And I guess that's where that's where my early, that's where the, my life changed. Um, that's where my early role model came from. That's where my kind of life model, long model is, and that's where I am now, and that's where. I take my inspiration from on a, on a daily basis, alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah. It really sounds like, uh, you know, the, the person that you are now, of course, is a person that was, a, you built essentially, and you built through, through hardship and through, through trials and tribulations. And I think when you look at people who do accomplish a lot in life, SubhanAllah, it is always people who actually have been through many challenges, because I think... SubhanAllah, and even as Muslims, we know this to be true, right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only, only tests us with that which we can bear. And a lot of times those tests are a way for us to grow as an individual, to learn a certain lesson, to become stronger in a certain way. Uh, and I very much see that in your story, SubhanAllah. And you went on then, of course, we know of the two major organizations and, and, and a few more that you've built, but I want to know about that first business that you built. What was the first time that you built a business? Was it actually singlemuslim.com or was there something before that we don't know about no it was actually a design agency because okay. my passion my, my passion and my love is actually design uh fine art graphic design marketing i guess it's communication is uh, it's communication through through visuals and getting your message across through visuals um so i i was really fortunate really really fortunate at wakefield college the two tutors tony and ron they were formidable kind of designers and, and people that have been around the world and, and worked in massive agencies in London, in New York, in, in Tokyo. Uh, and they, they were, I guess, at the time were, you know, people that I looked up to massively and I thought, you know, I wish I could be even a little bit of what they're, what they're doing. And I put everything into it day and night, you know, like 24 seven, just trying to listen to them and pick up the small details of what they were saying. And, and I, and they could tell, I guess they could tell that that was my passion. And then when we came to, when, when it came to dishing out work experiences, they said, you're going to go to that office and you're going to go to that factory and you're going to go to this place. And Adeem's design, Adeem's work experience is at Yorkshire Television in Leeds. Um, so I took the design agency work, sorry, I took the, uh, the, the uh, work experience at, Lee, um, at um, the Leeds studio of Yorkshire Television and I, I don't know it. I didn't know it at that time, but I know it now in terms of having such a big team and having people that come on work experience. I was really, really hot. I was really, really good at work experience. I was the first one there. I'd made the tea. I made the coffee. I, you know, I hoovered up. When the hoover broke down, I went to Argos and I bought a new hoover. When the directors wanted tickets for the football match, um, they were like, oh, I'm really busy with meetings. And then this evening, I've got to pick up my son from the you know, school. And da, da, da. I said, no problem. I'll jump on the bus. I'll go pick the tickets up and I'll bring the tickets back. And they were like, oh, okay, the, here's the keys. You can open up tomorrow morning. And so I used to open up, I used to lock up, I used to do all the photocopying and 
And I, my work used to be charged at thousands of pounds, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000 pounds. And I, and I knew that at the time. And, and I thought, you know, it's fair enough because I'm only here to work, do, to do work experience. And I was soaking it all in. I was really absorbed in everything. And then when the work experience came to an end after two weeks, the guy said, look, we probably thought, you know, we've got a free cleaner and a free tea maker. <laughs> you can carry on working for the next six months. So I was there one day a week whilst I was still at college. And it was brilliant because I really got the experience of an agency. So my first ever business was uh, a, a graphic design agency, a design agency. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was in 1999. I set that whilst I was still at college. Uh, and whilst I was going through this challenge on top of a pizza shop, so I did, I did, not, I did like late shifts at a pizza shop to make a bit of money and help mm -hmm. mum out and to put into the family pot. At the same time I was doing work at the pizza shop, there was two rooms upstairs that, was, that were empty. So I said to the pizza shop owner, I said, you know, the rooms are empty. What can I do? How much rent is it to, 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 to hire the rooms out? He said, I'm not going to charge you any rent, but what you can do is you can do two extra shifts and you can open the door and you can turn the oven on and you can accept the, the, the chips and the donut kebab and whatever, whatever, and all the rest of it. You just let the delivery driver in and so on and so forth. So I did exactly that, you know, I did whatever it took to, to open that business. Yeah. There was a massive challenge. There was a huge challenge in terms of trying to find people. So if you can imagine, main busy road in Wakefield, pizza, pizza shop, pizza piazzo, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm on top, I'm upstairs on, in these two offices, and the world's driving past, the world's literally driving past and walking past. And I'm looking down at the world thinking, you know what, how do I tell the world that we're here? How do I tell the world that we are... We, 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 we want to we wanna help, we want to service, we want to design, we want to develop websites and so on and so forth. And that was a huge challenge that I had. And at the same time as I was having that challenge as a 19-year-old as a at the office, I used to go home and mum was like, are you, uh, are you seeing anybody? I'm like, no, I'm not seeing anybody. Are you, are you sure you're not seeing anybody? I said, no, no, I'm not seeing anybody. Why are you not seeing anybody? I'm like, what do you mean? Why am I? It's haram. You've, been, you've taught us all our lives that you can't have a girlfriend. And you know you, it's wrong to be seen with a girl, and you cannot not be you know getting too close to girls. And, and now you're asking me, have I have I got what was a girlfriend? I said I don't have a girlfriend because it's not right in Islam. It's not right to have a girlfriend. She says, okay, then if you don't have anybody, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to get you to we're going to have to go to Pakistan and get you married to your uncle's daughter in Pakistan. Hmm. I was like, whoa, can't get a, I can't get married to my uncle's daughter in Pakistan because that's that, I see that as family. That's family. That's my first cousin. She says, well, Adim, if you don't, if you don't have anybody, what else, what else can I do? I'm asking you if you've got somebody. And I was like, oh, God. So I went back to the office and I, I, said, I spoke to the guys at the office. I said, look, mum wants me to go to Pakistan and she wants me to get married. So the only option is that I need to find somebody. And I've heard that you, you know, there's, there's websites that you can find people. And so I want to set up a website for Muslims where you can find a marriage partner and they were like, yeah, but there's nothing about at the moment. Nobody's doing anything. I says, yeah, exactly. So we're going to find, we're going to set up a, a website specifically for Muslims and specifically for the purpose of marriage. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And we, we just did it. It was literally a, just a, something. It was a form and it was like, you know, you can, it was really, you can imagine the old, I don't know if you look like a young, you're a young man, but it was the old dial-up internet yeah. mm. 22 years ago. <laughs> No social media, nothing, right? No social media or anything. So we set this website up and uh, we launched it. And as soon as we launched it, within within a few minutes, we had a registration. And I was like, oh, my God, we've got registration. And 
a few more minutes later, registration, registration after registration. And then within a few months, payments started to come in and we had payments and payments. It was a dot, it was a dot com dream. Uh, you know, singlemuslim.com, we were the pioneers in what is now quite a crowded marketplace yes. of dating apps, Muslim dating apps, Tinder, Minder, all of it. Uh, but, you know, we, we were the original and I guess we still stand by that very, very strict that, you know, it's a, it's a site, it's a serious platform. It's a platform designed by Muslims, owned by Muslims. So we're, we're still the, the largest independent Muslim marriage app. Uh, that's not got any kind of you know, private stakeholders or anybody else that, that 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 has a has a controlling stake in there, and we've had we've had lots of success. We've had massive massive success. Over one hundred thousand people have married on the platform, and you know, twenty years later, those people that met in the first second year, their children are now eighteen plus years old, and they they can start using the platform as well. It makes me feel like a granddad. <laughs> it's like we're very very proud. We're very very proud granddad. Two generations of single Muslim. That's amazing, man. What a beautiful story. And, and I love that the story and the idea originated from you trying to avoid uh, going to Pakistan and uh, marrying your uncle. You know, mother, the necessity is the mother of all actions. And I, I, was, I was in need. I was seriously in need back then. That's amazing, mashallah. And you went on not only to create Single Muslim Brother, but you went on to create Penny Appeal as well, which is a nonprofit. And it's a it's a really uh, one of the biggest nonprofits as well, mashallah, in the UK. So I wanted to ask you not to talk not so that we talk specifically about the business, but I want to know for you what it is. What is it that you would credit for the success of Penny Appeal and the success of Single Muslim? What is what is kind of the it factor, if you were to think of one? that has really allowed you to grow these two companies um, to this level, mashallah? I think, as you mentioned earlier, brother, I think what you said earlier is that the common, you know, thread amongst all entrepreneurs is that resilience mm -hmm. and that passion and the belief. If you believe in something, you know, you're, you're going to be living it. I, I've never, ever, I had a, I had a milk round. Um, and I had a paper round and I walked, worked in a corner shop and that was where my, working I, I, career ended I never you know I never had a job after that because I don't work I, I, I live I live and I'm passionate about what I do I want to help Muslims find you know the marriage partners every time like even now when you get a you know we found we found marriage on your website I'm like oh my god that's like so powerful so powerful that we've helped two souls find each other um you gotta just you just gotta you've gotta believe you've gotta believe and you've gotta it's, it's about having that reason what what is the reason why do you get out of bed and i'm so blessed because even with the charity now we've got nearly 200 people that work with us here directly employed by penny appeal and a lot of them come over and they say they, they start working with the charity after working their majority of their life in corporate banking whatever they might work in they're like i need a deem I'm, i want to work for a charity i want to work for a non-profit because i want purpose in my life and alhamdulillah i've been blessed with that purpose from a very very young age um, and it, it's not, yeah, it's, 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 it's that it's wanting to change the world in whatever way, if you, whatever, whatever, whatever entrepreneur you might be, it's just, you know, you you know that you can create an environment and that environment will benefit you and anybody that comes into that environment, it'll benefit them. And in, you know, ultimately it'll benefit, it'll, it'll benefit the world, it'll benefit the ummah it'll, and benefit in the ummah means that you'll benefit people that are not of the ummah as well. Mm -hmm all of God's creations. 
Subhanallah. And, and, and for you, Brother Adim, I have a question. Uh, it's a little bit of a selfish question because I, I want some advice from you. All right. Someone that's a seasoned entrepreneur right now. Now we have a small team entrepreneur. We're about, you know, we're four brothers, alhamdulillah, really working hard to make this dream a reality. Right. And um, we've been working on this for two years. And there's, of course, challenges along the way as well. And sometimes it does get stressful. I want to ask for you. I mean, we're only a team of four. You manage organizations. Um, I, don't, I don't know the size off the top of my head, but you know, I know that you have you know, probably close to 100, if not more, uh, in some of these organizations that you're managing and that are working with you in different capacities. And you have a lot on your shoulders, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of you know, uh, you know, essentially expectations as well. And a lot of the listeners of this podcast are entrepreneurs who are starting off, right? Solopreneurs, starting on their own, or maybe some that have a small business and they're building a team. And one of the, the main questions that I usually get is, you know, Abby, how do I keep going when the going gets tough? What do I do when I'm getting close to burnout? What do I do when I feel uninspired and I'm waking up and I just feel like it's too much and I'm unmotivated? And for someone like you, Brother Adimo, has, you know, so many expectations directed towards you from your team, from your peers, from the people who rely on you. And subhanAllah, even from what I recognize that in my team as well is that, you know, when you're the leader, they look up to you right? To lead the charge and to be the person to, you know, give them that inspiration, give them that motivation. How do you keep going? How do you stay motivated, inspired? How do you stay energized all the time to be able to do what you do? Alhamdulillah, I think, you know, number one is a, it's a blessing from God. It's a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I, I just, I, I don't know, because that's just my DNA. That's just the way that I wake up every morning. Uh, I wake up in the morning knowing that, you know, I'm still alive. <laughs> I'm alive, man. I'm alive today, and this is anything's possible. And uh, then what I do, I guess, you know, I surround myself with good people. I surround myself with positive people. I surround myself with people that are critical of me and uh, challenge me, but don't challenge the dream. Sorry, that challenge me, challenge the dream, but don't stop me from dreaming. That don't stop me from doing. That support me in doing. And the, the, the first person is my mum. My mum's always been there. You know, I, I guess my mum's duas. And I, so, I know it sounds very, very cheesy, but, you know, some, you, when your mum's, you know, when you've got that blessing behind you and your mum's like, yeah, you know, and she believes in you and she believes in what you're doing. But then kind of practically, I guess, for, for everybody else is like, you need to have, you need to have people that, that believe in you, not that, that believe in you. Because look, it's so easy to sell to your family. It's so easy to sell an idea to your brother, your sister, your colleague, you know, somebody who loves you, somebody who wants to, or somebody wants to like please you or make you happy or just think yeah support you but it's when you sell the idea of the world that's when it's an actually an idea like, you know singlemuslim.com is not called the adim Yunis marriage bureau it's called singlemuslim.com because it's a ron seal approach and what i mean by that is that it's approach that you know when i say this when somebody says to me what do you do and i said i've got a i run a i run an app called singlemuslim.com it's like ho 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 yeah, and they get it straight away so it's just like Bang, that you don't need to explain why why you're gonna be why you're gonna call yourself an abstract name, because then it's gonna take another conversation for the penny to drop. It's gonna take another, maybe another conversation for then for them. To, oh, okay, you just want to be able to get it straight away. And the same thing with with penny appeal. It could have been called the you know the Eunice Foundation, la 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 la, but it was called penny appeal. You know, everybody gets a penny. Penny is an international terminology for the smallest amount of currency, and we're appealing for pennies. We're not appealing for pounds or we're not appealing for thousands of pounds or millions of dollars. We're appealing for the lowest common denominator. And then it's just about, you know, being a dream chaser. It's just, I guess you've just got to be, 
you've just got to be just crazy in a sense. Um, you know, I, I, I call it more Farah and people in the office know what I mean by more Farah. Because I say, look, look more, more Farah is, a, you know, the fastest long distance run in the world. Do you think more? Do you think more father has a day off? Do you think he has Christmas day off? Do you think he has a birthday off? Do you think he has any day off in his life? He's running every single day of his life. I guarantee you that. When he's on a plane, he's thinking about his the gym or he's preparing the the, the studio where he's going to go to when he gets off the plane. Before he jumps on the plane, he has he, he warms up. Before when he gets off the plane, he warms up. Then he goes for a long distance. Then he goes for the weights. He looks at his he looks at his drinking every day. He looks at his hydration. He looks at his food nutrition. He does it every single day of the year. He does it before he goes to sleep. He does it when he wakes up in the morning. That's more Farah. He's the fastest guy in the world because he's passionate and because he's on it more than any other human being in the world. Yes, you're gifted, but we're all gifted, you know, because we want to be entrepreneurs. And I guess the show is about ummahpreneurs. So where we want to help the ummah at the same time as we want to help ourselves. We want to help the community. So Allah's given you a gift. Allah's given everybody on this earth a gift. And what we have to do is we have to focus on the gifts. We have to focus on the positives that we have. And we we cannot, we cannot do it alone. I have not built anything alone. I'm the face of a brand and I'm the, the mouthpiece of a thousand people. Because those thousand people stand me up every day. Those thousand people allow me to sit here and talk to you and allow me to, I guess, represent their hard work and their dedication and their pushing and their, you know, in, their enthusiasm as well their you know their purpose is to get people married their purpose is to you know feed people clothe orphans help the widows put put roof over people's heads help people see by site operations and yeah we 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 the fortunate few that are able to stand there and say look i'm the head of the team i'm the leader of the team and some of the some some of what goes with being a leader is the fact that you've got to you've got to take responsibility when things go down and they do go down they go down an awful lot and you know when they go down you've got to pick people up that's your job as a leader that's your job and we're all leaders we're all leaders whether we're leaders at work leaders of our team at work leaders of our family leaders of our businesses wherever we're leading we're leading something we're all leading something and we're going to be accountable for that leadership and you know I just I just I just pray that Allah accept from 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 us all. And that's just the reason that, you know, it's easy and it's it's fun at the beginning. But when it gets serious, it gets serious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the bigger you are, the, the more serious it gets and the more responsible that it gets and the more heavy or with responsibility our shoulders should feel because we are going to be responsible for those people and their output and what they do and their, yeah, the, you know, the decisions that they make and the decisions they make and we support. Mm-hmm. We as leaders, we as the ultimate, the the top of our group of individuals are responsible for that. Definitely. And I think at least for me personally, and I know for you for sure with what you're sharing is that that responsibility as well is part of what allows you to remain energized. The fact that you have that team that looks up to you. The team, you know what? The, the, the team here is brutal. <laughs> my, my teams are brutal. They don't, they don't, they're like a team who, do you know what I mean? What? Why have we done this? Why are we doing this? What's the decision? What, what, we should have done like this. We should have done it like that. And that keeps me on my toes. And I love that. I love them for what it is. And sometimes I think to myself, why on earth did I put you in that place? Now you're challenging. Now I can't do what I want to do. But I put you in that place because, you know, through governance, through process, through procedure, you're there because you're the specialist in that area. You're the best person at that job that I could find, that I could think about. And I've headhunted you and I chased you and I, you know, 
propose to you in that sense. And I'm saying live there, sit there and make that the best area of the business that it can be in any business. So if you're challenging me, that's excellent. I want you to challenge me, but I'm going to challenge you back. Yeah. So it's hard. It's, it's difficult. It's quite crazy, but it's, alhamdulillah, it's, it's when, it, when it works, it's rewarding. And I guess it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a, a drug, if I can say that, in terms of you just want the next fix, you just want the next high, you want the next success, you want the next, the next impossible to be possible. And how are you going to do that? Everybody says, it's not possible, you can't do it, it's not going to work. But yeah, but I think I know how. <laughs> I think we can squeeze it in. <laughs> Entrepreneurs are really uh, just dreamers, aren't they, right? It's people who have all these big dreams in their head and they're trying to make the world, make it a reality and make the world a better place in their own way, subhanAllah. And this is, as you mentioned, where Omarpreneur comes in, in that when Muslim entrepreneurs bring the Islam with the entrepreneurship, then it creates this beautiful harmony of trying to make a positive impact with a deeper intention of not only doing that to help improve society in a certain way or as your business so eloquently and beautifully does, which is to bring two souls together, but also to do that with the intention of serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is one thing where, you know, a Muslim entrepreneur doing that and having that intention or, you know, just a regular entrepreneur doing that, not necessarily having that intention, they could be doing the exact same thing, but just the fact that you add that intention into it. Now you're like, oh, I can get some edge for this. I can get some, you know, maybe this is what's going to help me on the day of judgment. Inshallah. Exactly, and we do believe that as Muslims, as believers, we know it's all about intention, yeah. and it's about the you know the the and, and, and wanting to please Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Because ultimately, I could have gone into a design agency, I could have gone into any major city of the world, set up there, work for another agency, um, you know, just doing what I've done, but with the with, with an, in, in the non in the non-Muslim space, in a in a space for different you know somebody was, but I, I chose, I really wanted to, and I was passionate about helping Muslims find love, helping Muslims settle down, helping Muslims set up a business. And then when my own business became successful, you know, then I'm like, okay, what is the purpose of life? You know, like I've actually, Alhamdulillah, 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 been blessed with the success that, you know, other people that are setting up in business at that time might not have had for 40, 50 years, might not have had until they, they're retired and their funds mature and their investments mature. I had that at a very, 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 very young age. And I guess the question for me then was, what is a, what, what am I doing here? You know, my, my father passed young. Um, how, long, how long do I have? And when my friends and colleagues were looking at the pension pots and looking at the investments that, are gonna, that they're going to put in and they're going to get out and they're going to they start do that, I'm thinking to myself, I really love what you're doing and I really kind of like, yeah, I think I get what you where where you're going with this, but tomorrow's not promised to anybody. And then when I set when I wanted to set the charity up, a lot of people, a lot of my own family said to me, "Team, set the charity up when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're retired. What are you what are you doing that for now?" And deep inside me, and I never voiced it to anybody, but deep inside me, I said, "Who said I'm going to live to 40? Who said I'm going to live to 50? Who said I'm going to live to 60? I want to do whatever I can do, and I'm I'm in a rush. I'm in a real rush to get things done, and I've always been in that rush." That's just been, that's just my personality to quick, quick, move on, move on, get this done. Why? Why can we not do it? And people are like, yeah, but we don't want to do it now. We want to just relax and see how it goes for a month and let's see it and let's look at it next, this time next year. I'm like, this time next year, this time next week. <laughs> let's let's yeah. go, let's go for it. And they'll tell you, they'll tell you in the team as well. They're like, yeah, uh, you know, we want to do this at the end of next season. 
and we go to a team and we say, look, we want to do this at the next end of next season. I'm like, no, we're not doing it at the end of next season. If it's if it's an idea and if it's an idea worth you know sharing with the world, let's do it as soon as possible at the end of next week, please. Yeah. Um, you just get just get really you know. I guess it's like the A team. You just you know I love I love it when a plan comes together, and that's that's just my my thing. So it is it is very satisfying for. You know, the moment where you have an idea in your mind and then you put it out and you bring the right team together and you bring people yes. together who all work together on this idea and try to make it a reality and to see it come to fruit uh, is always a beautiful and very rewarding thing. Yeah. And one question that I wanted to ask you as well with um, with that process actually is because you went through that process with Single Muslim and then with Penny Appeal as well. Now, these are two different organizations. One is a for-profit for organization. One is a non-profit organization. And I want to ask you, because I'm sure I have listeners here who are, you know, maybe thinking of creating a nonprofit. How did that differ? How did the process of creating a nonprofit organization differ from creating Single Muslim, which was, you know, a for-profit organization? Um, I think in, in reality, they're both the same. Because a, a profit is profit and a profit is mine because I own the business. A nonprofit is still making a profit, but that profit is going to those that are most in need. That profit is going to... And anything surplus is going to those that our constitution, our charity constitution, uh, obligates us to give to. Uh, the governance processes are very, very different. The governance scrutiny is very different, especially in the UK in terms of the charity commission and in terms of the the, the financial auditing and so on and so forth. It's 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 relentless. It's very, very difficult, and rightly so. Uh, but ultimately, I think in terms of you know the. The, the principles in life, the principles for an organization are actually identical. Um, if anything, I think we should give more focus and we should do more for non-profits than we do for profits because the non-profits are, are really what we give back to the world and the profit is what we take selfishly. I might bear myself a new coat, um, new suit, a new car, a new house. That's what I'm doing for myself. That's what I'm doing for my my family that's what i'm doing for my business that's what i'm doing for my own pleasure but non-profit is what you're actually doing that's really going to impact other people other individuals in a direct sense um you know yeah yeah yes the might keep you know tesla in a, in a job if i what if i buy a new car or it might keep you know virgin atlantic in a you know flying their planes or whatever if i'm flying around the world but you know ultimately i i i, I get pleasure in, in both but my real passion is, is is helping people and, and helping those that are less fortunate because I, I again I feel so blessed that you know the the village that I'm from my ancestral home in Pakistan when I when I first when I first discovered it it had you know no roads there was no road infrastructure there whatsoever there was no clean water in the village there was no electricity there was no gas can you imagine a place that is beautiful beautiful beyond belief you know, you've got camels, you've got buffaloes, you've got peacocks. Naturally, very, very beautiful, but at the same time, so, so dangerous in the sense that, you know, you, you couldn't fall and you graze yourself, you have an infection, you have, you know, in, in the winter months, you might get catch pneumonia. And, it, it, you know, for those villagers, it, it might cost them three months salary, four, five months salary, even six months salary to get to the local town, not even the local city. And then from the local city, town, they have to go to the local city. Then they have to pay for everything. I mean, it's different in, in the US than it is in the UK, but we get we get free healthcare here. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know the value of healthcare because it's it's just it's our it's at our disposal. You phone nine 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 here, and you know you 
if you're in if you're in a lot of danger, you'll get a helicopter that's going to come and pick you up and fly to the closest specialist hospital in developing world in 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 Pakistan where the charity was founded in in my ancestral home. You know, you have to pay for everything. You have to pay to travel to hospital. You have to pay for the waiting area and sitting there. You have to pay for x-rays you have to pay for the scans you have to pay for the time with the doctor you have to pay for the prescription you have to pay for the medicine you have to pay for the bed overnight people can't do that people cannot afford that and they then go to people that might abuse them they might take advantage of them you know so-called religious holy men women and you know and and and, and sadly i've lost so many people so many people that are so close to me so many family members that in the UK, you know, like going back to, like I mentioned, pneumonia, if you get pneumonia in the UK, I say, you know, Abby, you've got pneumonia. Oh, it's a, well, I see it's Wednesday today. You're going to go to the hospital. I see Friday. Let's go out for a meal over the weekend. I'll come to your house on the weekend. In a developing world, in the developing world, something like pneumonia can actually kill you. It's, a, it's, it, it's fatal. Uh, and I've known lots of people that have died with, you know, illnesses that are treatable, you know, suffering on a daily basis that they've had with, things that they shouldn't be suffering with. And I guess that's where that's where we, we, we come in. And when you see that, again, I, I feel, might sound a bit morbid, but I feel, again, blessed to be able to experience that, blessed to be able to go back and call it home. It's a home from home, but call it home and go visit home and visit home and experience that rather than just seeing it, seeing it on, a, on a TV commercial about poverty, about Oxfam, about Save the Children, about UN. And thinking, oh, that's that 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 looks like a movie. That looks like something that I don't recognize. Well, I recognize that, and I think because I because I recognize that in in a in a separate world, in a world that I could have been part of that world, if my grandfather wasn't in the British Army uh, after the Second World War, and if he didn't come over here to the UK to help with the labor force, and if he didn't bring my family over, if he didn't bring my mum over, and if my dad wasn't over, that's where I would have been living, and my father would have passed away, and that's where I would have been. Forget a book, I, I wouldn't even have shoes to wear. You know, I, I couldn't even spell my name. You know, forget being an orphan. I, don't, I wouldn't even be able, been able to write orphan or write, you know, read orphan. And that's where I see that that in a, in a funny way, it's it's been hard, it's been a tough, but it's been a blessing as well. And, I, you know, we plan Allah plans and Allah works in mysterious ways. SubhanAllah, definitely, brother. And, and listening to, that, to, to what you're sharing really i it just brings kind of the full picture in my eyes of how important it is for us to have these nonprofits and you know entrepreneurs like yourself who are working hard to make a difference because in a, in a capitalistic world which is the world that we live in right now you know you would think that oh well you know the government is going to be the one that's going to solve all the problems but most of the time it's not most of the time it's entrepreneurs like yourself who are looking at problems and then creating solutions alhamdulillah and bismillah inshallah and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you more success and allow you to make you know an even bigger impact um, mm -hmm. because it is so important uh, the work that you're doing and to recognize that there is a problem and then to solve it is the nature of entrepreneurship and, and you've seen that and whether you do it through a nonprofit or a for-profit as you mentioned you still have to build a company you still have to build the right team and you still have to go through that process you know you have to grind it out and you have to go through all the steps Absolutely. And, you know, my biggest dua, my biggest praise that, you know, may Allah accept it from us. May Allah accept the work. May Allah accept. May, may our, you know, our intention be focused back on where it started. 
because the dunya is a dunya you know like you know we just we get tangled up in all sorts and it goes from helping to being the biggest charity and being the biggest not for profit and how do you get even bigger and how do you you know we've got offices in america we've got offices in canada we've got offices in south africa dubai australia and and i purposely purposely put it in the diary to to visit a frontline office go to africa west africa where we've got offices and we've got uh, on the ground programs back to bangladesh pakistan afghanistan and I, and i purposely put that in the diary to to remind myself why we started this to remind myself what it is is that why we're doing this because we can get lost in excel spreadsheets we can get lost in lost in powerpoint presentations we can get lost in the whole you know the circus of what it is and the, the you know just the just the kind of the worldly side of things and mm-hmm. and it wasn't set up for that it was set up because it was something small and that's why the name penny peel is there was, and the strap line is small change big difference you know i would have back then and now you change you know <laughs> it's fluid back then i would have been happy just to build three wells a year have a orphan home and support half a dozen orphan children and just say look that's that's what we're doing that's what that's what i'm doing uh, that's what the the organization's doing so we've got like a the the wake the the wakefield equivalent of big ben opposite us we're in the town center it's uh, you know so that's what that gong is in the background yeah, yeah i'm hearing it so what time is it in, in the uk right now in the uk right now is five o'clock five o'clock all right beautiful so it's actually uh 12 p.m here so it's a little bit earlier so it's interesting why is it ringing at five o'clock usually doesn't it ring on sundays for church no so that's the that's a sunday choir service this is on on an hour so every hour it'll, okay one o'clock will be one dong and on two o'clock will be two gongs and it'll be like three Oh, okay. Interesting. We don't have that in Montreal, actually. That's interesting. And is that is that is that the case for all churches in uh, in London, or just for the for just for that one that's beside? Just you? for the main the, the the main kind of like yeah the main buildings. And I think where where it, okay. it's, interesting. It's that's, that's really interesting. Uh, that's cool. So, brother Azim, um, there is one question that I absolutely want to ask you. I know I know that I'm taking up uh, a bit more of your time here, but one last that I absolutely want to squeeze in. Um, and this one is a, is a question that I ask actually every single guest that comes on this podcast. And it's my favorite personally, because every answer that I get is always unique and it's usually profound. And one thing that we can take away as listeners of this podcast to be able to hold on to, to be able to remember. And the question is the following. If you could go back and give your 18 year old self, you know, just younger Adim who is, uh, you know, trying to rent that pizza, trying to rent that apartment on top of that pizza place so he could start his design agency and then go through this entire journey of entrepreneurship, mashallah, years and years of, you know, building businesses and, and working on different projects. And you could give him one piece of advice. You could go back in time, give him one piece of advice that he could hold on to throughout this journey, kind of like a mantra or something that he can remember. What would that one piece of advice do? What would you tell him? I have no idea what, you know, like what your favorite is or what the common thread is along here. But I think I'd just say to him, I'd say, you know, Bismillah, go for it and enjoy it. Because I think, you know, the, the highs and the lows have been so extreme. And I think if I, went, if I went back and gave myself some advice, I think I'd maybe I'd do something different. Maybe I wouldn't do something that I want to do. Or maybe I would be against what, what was natural to me at that time. And uh, yeah, just Bismillah, man. Just go, just go, just go, just go. Enjoy yourself because it's a life's a journey, man. Life's a journey, and life is beautiful. And all the blessings that we've got, and all the 
I guess the hardship that we face as well is, is a journey, is a reminder. Allah pulls us closer to him and says, you know, just ask me. Maybe we're going too far away. Maybe we're just going off the off the off the beaten path, and you know, we're like we're lost. Brings you closer back. So, I I, I think I just stay silent and I'd say, Subhanallah. Yeah, I love that. Well, I, that's actually great. Self any advice? Honestly, every every guest it says it's been different. I'm I'm telling you, like every single time I've asked this question, we've had a different response, which is crazy because you think. Oh, the same response would come up every time, but every single person has had a different answer to that question. And I think because every single person has been through a unique journey and for yours, I love the answer that you've given because it's definitely something that more entrepreneurs need to hear. A lot of people that I speak to, you know, they're, oh, my printer, this is so amazing. And you guys help Muslim entrepreneurs and I'm interested in starting a business. And then, you know, we have a conversation. I tell them what they need to do and this is what we need to work on. And then what happens is a few days later, you know, something comes up, right? Fears start to set in. They go back to their comfort zone. You know, things start, insecurities start to creep up and they're like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't work on it now. Now's not the right time. Maybe in the future, brother, you know? And it's like, dude, five days ago, you, this was like, you were ready to go. This was, you know, you were hundred percent in what's going on. So uh subhanallah i think definitely great advice that more people need to hear which is just go for it don't don't let the comfort zone you know trap you don't let your anxieties and your fears and your insecurities you know get the best of you at the end of the day there will never be a perfect time you just have to go for it you say bismillah and go for it man yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's say ultimately you know like trust in allah yeah uh, allah's giving you a brain and at that time you know the go what you know what your training is and you know we all, we've all got a natural disposition some of us are you know huge risk takers some of us are completely risk averse and you know people are beautiful humans are beautiful our biggest strength my biggest strength is people our biggest weakness and my biggest weakness has been people mm. where well, we've succeeded we've succeeded because of good people wise people you know older brothers uh, older sisters people that have you know really made his made his work and where we fail is because of people and, and bad advice and you know bad 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 intentions and mm. people who have done things that are not not in not for the right reasons and not for us so yeah. alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah what can people uh what can people expect from you in the future brother adim and is there is there a certain you know call to action that you want to give here today for them to go uh whether it's on pennyappeal.org singlemuslim.com anything that you want them to go to inshallah i think if they've got to this stage and they're still watching then <laughs> congratulations well done <laughs> thank you so much um thank you for you know quite literally the millions of people that have, have made this possible through, you know, single Muslim and then from single Muslim to Penny Peel. Uh, just keep doing the war for us, keep doing the war for the team, keep doing the war for other entrepreneurs and, you know, Muslims. We're in a very challenging times right now and we're in a challenging times for ourselves, the next generation. And, you know, do the war for yourself. You know, what you're doing is amazing, amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And may Allah reward you so much for taking your time out, your valuable time for yourself and your team exactly. to put this out there. Because, you know, like we didn't have role models. Like I remember so many times, like, why, you know, how do you do this? Why do you do this? Where does you do this? And I didn't know the answer. And I just like, you know, just 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 jumped in at the deep end. And, and I, I guess I'm just used to jumping in that deep end now. I just find a pool and I'm like, which is the deepest side? I'm going to jump into there. But, you know, you, 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 uh, you have a platform, you have a resource, which is amazing. And it gets the so many amazing people, so many, so many of my role models that you've had in your show that now are giving away gems to, to, to others, the next generation, to our generation, to the older generation, anybody who wants to do something and anybody who wants to benefit the ummah to, to watch from. So yeah, just, you know, just, just 
if you've said the brands, if you want to get married, singlemuslim.com. If you want to give charity, you want to help, you want to volunteer, then you know, Penny Peel, just Google Penny Peel, Google Single Muslim, and we'll take you to the, your closest office and yeah, just, uh, just do that. And if you want to reach out to me, Adeem Yunus on the socials and uh, just DM me and yeah, let's, let's, let's chat, inshallah. Inshallah, definitely. So we'll make sure to drop those links in the episode notes, brother. Jazakallah uh, khairan for taking uh, precious, precious time out of your schedule as well to join me. Honestly, um, I'll, I'll be completely honest here uh, because, you know, you've been so kind in the words that you've shared with me. To be honest with my team, your list, when we created this podcast and we had a podcast guest list, and it's like this Excel sheet where I noted down all the names. And there's a few names on there. Some of them I haven't been able to get to yet, like Sister Iftihaj Muhammad, who is the Olympic fencer, Olympic fencing champion. She's on that list. I can help you with that, no problem. <laughs> no way, dude. We got to make it happen, inshallah. So, you know, there's there's a few names on that list, and your name was up there. Your name, Adim Yunus, you know, founder of Penny Field Single Muslim. Your name was on there. And since the beginning, I'm like, oh, we're not, you know, we're, we haven't made it yet. We're not big enough to reach out. You know, we've only had like, you know, 20 episodes, 30 episodes. And subhanAllah, at some point, my team was like, listen, man, let's just reach out. Let's see if we can make it happen. I'm like, all right, let's just give it a try. And subhanAllah, we reached out and you so generously agreed and offered to join me on this podcast. So you have my gratitude because I know how busy schedules are. We're a small team. My schedule is already crazy. I can't imagine what it's like with two businesses and more projects on the side. So truly, Jazakallah khair from the bottom of my heart. This is an episode that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And I look up to you very much and admire the work that you're doing, honestly. So Jazakallah khair for that. Keep us in your du'as and yeah, reach out anytime, man. Reach out anytime. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And uh, you guys know the drill. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to show us your support by rating, subscribing to the podcast, inshallah. Follow us on your favorite social platform. Search for Omarpreneur. Uh, and make sure to follow our guest as well. We'll drop the links in the comments. And if you'd like help with starting your own business, you want some help with entrepreneurship, you need to talk to someone, you can go to omarpreneur.com slash call and you can book a free call with our team so we can speak to you and help you out, inshallah. Until then, we'll see you next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.